Hi, and welcome back to the Influencer Podcast. I'm so glad that you're here joining me today for today's episode. I cannot believe that we are on the final stretch of a wild adventure called 2020. In some moments, I feel like this year has flown by, and in another second, I feel like this year has dragged, and at some moments, I felt like my feet are in the mud, just trying to take one sloppy step forward. It's been filled with highs and lows, ups and downs, beautiful moments of joy, deep sorrow, great frustration, hopeful, at times feeling hopeless, It's been all of it. And I'm sure if I were to ask you how this year was for you, you would also say that's a loaded question filled with a lot of highs and lows. And the unique thing about 2020 is that all of us, to a degree, have walked through a similar storm. Maybe not the same storm, definitely not in the same boat, but we've navigated some really hard things together. And so as we look ahead, to 2021, I thought I would share chapter 11 entitled Faithful to the End from my new book, Now Waiting, Hope for Today, When All You Want Is Tomorrow. My name is Sarah, and this is the Influencer Podcast. Chapter 11, Faithful to the End. Before the end of every year, I prayerfully consider what word God is speaking to me. This word serves as an anchor through the changes of seasons and experiences over the next 365 days. Some examples of my word of the year have been fearless, stand, and freedom. Once I land on a word I believe God has led me to, I commit to that word all the way. I usually go all out. I have the word written on something visible in my home. I shop for journals that have that word written on the front cover. And if I'm lucky, I'll even find a new coffee mug with the word of the year. This particular year was no different. Weeks before we ring in the new year, God gave me my word. Inconvenient. Wait, what? Yeah, my thoughts exactly. I was hoping for a word more to the tune of adventure, harvest, blessing, or abundance. Now that sounded a little more like the year I wanted to have. Inconvenient? That's not something I want to have printed on a t-shirt and post on Instagram, you know? I tried to dodge this word about 17 times. Surely that was not the word. Maybe it was supposed to be a blog post or a message I would deliver for someone else. But just like that Krispy Kreme hot now sign, there was no avoiding it. So I caved and reluctantly declared it to be my word of the year. As I tried to imagine what this would mean for me and my family, I did some inventory over the past years. When God gave me the word fearless, I experienced so many moments where I had to push past fear. When God gave me the word stand, I felt as though the waves of life kept crashing in on me wave after wave, and I had to choose to stand. When God gave me the word freedom, I had to face the hidden areas where my trust wasn't rooted in Jesus in order to live in freedom. Each word sounded more promising than inconvenient at first, but the process that I had to endure to see those words become fully developed in my life looked like trial hardship, lack, insecurity, and change. 
The 365 days and opportunities to grow into those words didn't always give me the warm fuzzies. Could God have made me fearless in an instant? Maybe so, but that's not how it works. When God gives us a glimpse of a forecast ahead, it doesn't usually look like what we see. Living in South Florida, we had perfect winters and sunny summers. And by sunny, I mean hot. In order to survive the entire summer, you need to be at the beach or the pool. So we made sure to introduce our girls to the pool when they were babies. No matter how intentional we were about exposing them to water, it seemed as though they wanted less and less water in their face every summer. One year, we decided to enroll them in swim lessons because their hesitation, okay, their extreme dislike for water splashing in their face was a bit dramatic. Imagine bathing a cat, only much worse. Leading up to their first official swim lesson, we made sure to talk it up with the girls. We wanted them to be excited. For the most part, they were eager to learn to swim like big girls. On our way to the first lesson, Brooklyn was sharing all about her excitement and expectations for the morning ahead. She is a lot like me, always in the future and mapping out all the details. She described what the pool would look like, what her instructor might look like, and how many kids would be there. And she included a small detail that, quote, Jesus was going to give her and her twin sister Kennedy mermaid tails so they can swim, end quote. Nope, they weren't going to have to actually learn how to swim and put their heads underwater. Jesus was just going to give them mermaid tails. This is the moment when after sharing this adorable story, we respond with, kids, don't they say the darndest things? Except for this time, maybe the saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree would be a little bit more appropriate because I have for sure believed God was going to supply me with a mermaid tail a time or two. Okay, perhaps I didn't choose those exact words, but sometimes I feel like a spy or some sort of special agent trying to figure out how God is going to provide or answer my prayers. I can become pretty creative at times, coming up with grandiose ideas for how he will do something in my life. A lot like Jesus giving me a mermaid tail. When I ask for patience, I envision Jesus giving me the patience of Mother Teresa. Boom. Here is your patience, just how you ask for it when you ask for it. But it doesn't usually happen that way. Instead of zapping me with patience, he usually gives me opportunities to show patience. Times when I desire to be more generous and I envision him giving me more resources so I can be more generous, he shows me opportunities to give from what I already have. It's not that God hasn't answered my prayers or that he hasn't honored my most audacious prayers or creative imagination, but God sees the whole picture. He is our heavenly father who desires to give us good gifts. How cool would it be if Jesus gave Brooklyn a mermaid tail so she can swim the ocean? Pretty cool, but it wouldn't be what she really needs or is capable of handling. There are lessons to be learned and healthy limitations and boundaries that need to be respected when a four-year-old is learning to swim. When you're learning to swim, you aren't just learning how to swim. You're also learning to trust. You're developing endurance and you're gaining in strength. All things that are necessary to becoming an efficient swimmer. I love Brooklyn's childlike faith that was displayed that day and her belief that Jesus could do anything. Because it's true. He can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. 
He could have even given her a mermaid tail if he had chosen to. But even when he doesn't give us mermaid tails, he is still faithful. Brooklyn saw swimming as an easy thing for God to give her instead of seeing it as something she would have to work hard for and develop and grow into. Under construction. Construction always takes longer than anticipated. My husband works in construction and it doesn't matter how small or big, how standard or detailed the project is, it is always completed a day later than anticipated. In some cases, it's many days later. Unlike some contractors, he has learned the importance of never overpromising a completion date. Instead, he plans for unexpected work. Yet even with his conservative estimation, building sometimes always takes longer than desired. With these fixer-upper projects, the removal of the old comes first in order to build something new. It is in the step that he and his crew find things hidden beneath the surface that often create more work. During one summer, he and his business partners took on an outside deck project. When they went to do the initial cost and time estimate, they noticed that there were two old decks built on top of one another. Instead of the one deck they expected, the previous builders decided that rather than tearing down the old deck, they would just cover it with new wood. What seemed like an easier option turned out to be more work and not the best idea. The removal process took days, resources, and effort, but it was necessary to build a lasting new deck. Even though the demolition was necessary, that doesn't mean it was fun or even rewarding in the moment. No matter how difficult the building can be, my husband always comes home with a sense of accomplishment, unless it's demo day. When we see God's moving us forward, and when we see building beautiful things, being built and growing in our lives, we are reassured that we are moving in the right direction. The removal process is not as rewarding. When God begins to take us through the pruning process, we can get discouraged. And while this part isn't the most fun, it is always necessary. Because not everything we've packed in our figurative suitcases is necessary or fitting for our promised land. When God chose to lead the children of Israel by the way of the wilderness, he wasn't only taking them out of Egypt, but he was taking Egypt out of them. Leaving Egypt as slaves and entering the promised land would require pruning in the middle. Pruning is a process of trimming, cutting, or removing dead, overgrown branches in order to increase fruitfulness. The purpose of pruning is not to limit the remo or remove growth, but to make growth possible. While we're in the waiting, it is easy for us to point to our growth as a sign that God is working. In the same way, I have learned more and more to recognize his hand in the pruning too. Now, if you're picturing God in heaven with a massive pair of pruning shears, you're not alone in your imagery. I've pictured it that way too, and it sounds painful and harsh, but God is not in heaven holding a pair of shears bigger than the clouds with the purpose of exposing us or leaving us vulnerable. He is gentle and in compassion and love for us is delicately removing things that are no longer producing fruit in our lives. He doesn't take things away, but makes room for more. The pruning process is not harmful, but helpful and necessary process for our growth and change. John 15, one through seven says this, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, 
he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The year 2016 didn't go the way I planned. To date, it has been one of the most challenging years of my life. I desperately wanted to close my eyes and wish it away. That year, we experienced great loss, betrayal, heartache, and pain. It was a lonely season, a time when God seemed distant and quiet. I've always been a positive person, always looking for hope in dark situations, but this particular year, it was hard to find. As I would regain my footing, it seemed like another harsh wave would come crashing in, disrupting my balance. I really wanted out. I remember feeling as though my heart was actually broken. Never before had I been so sad. Never before had I experienced such sorrow. I cried for God's rescue, for his deliverance. And as I did, he met me and asked me, Sarah, what will you get out of this year? Life can be hard. Situations can be difficult and seasons can be dry. When those times come, our first response is usually to want out. But rather than asking, when can we get out of it? We should be asking, what can we get out of it? When we search for what we can learn, understand, and grow from the midst of our trouble, our pain carries a purpose. There is purpose in our struggle and there is purpose in our waiting. Yes, God is a deliverer and he will deliver us out of the dry and tough seasons, but it's up to us to get something out of it. So many people wish to forget the passing year, bury it, burn it, and even throw it away. But God doesn't work that way. Although he makes all things new and desires for us to look forward, he builds on what we have experienced, walked through, and even learned from. As much as I wanted to leave 2016 in the dust, I knew I needed to take some things with me. I'm thankful for all that I walked through and experienced that year, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't say that because it's over. I say that because in September, while I begged him to get me out, he gave me eyes to see what I could get out of it all. I finished that year so differently. It was a newfound strength. I no longer saw the trials and the setbacks as harsh moments orchestrated by God, but moments when God could use them for my advantage. Before ringing in the new year, someone asked me to rate the year on a scale of 1 to 10. It was impossible for me to score 365 days into one number. If I had to rate it in terms of challenging, I would say close to an 8. If I had to rate it in terms of awesome, I would rate it an 8 as one of the best years of my life. The hard stuff helped me discover who I am and what I am made of. It was uncomfortable moments that ushered in fresh grace, new strength, and greater faith. I compare it to working out. The best workouts are usually the most challenging. Even though they're hard, they're awesome all at the same time. It's how I felt about 2016. And that is why 
days before the new year, I was actually a little sad to see that year go. It was challenging, but that's what made it equally beautiful. This is why we must remain encouraged even when we are believing for is delivered in an undesired, challenging package. Trust that God has heard the desires of your heart, honoring your prayers, and that he's leading you. If I looked at all that happened over that year, it wouldn't measure up to be considered the best year ever kind of year. Not even close. But when I look at who I had become and the faithfulness of God in every detail, it ranked up there as one of the best years of my life. If Joseph were asked to rate his years in prison, in a pit, or in slavery, I'm not sure he would categorize them as anything but incredible. But if he looked back and recounted the moments that should have crushed him but made him stronger, and the moments when he experienced the tangible hand of God in his life, I am sure he would agree that those years were everything he hoped for. When God opens a door, we want to shout about his goodness. But when he chooses a door to close, we question his goodness. I have never been more grateful for every closed door and unanswered prayer, for every plan that doesn't come to pass, and for every harvest that is yet to come forth. They have led me to this moment for such a time as this. God's plan for us far exceed anything we could ever dream up, hope for, or work towards. He knows all things and is fully aware of every detour, change of direction, or roadblock you might be experiencing. We desire the predictable and feel confident in times of peace. Oftentimes, God reveals himself there. However, I've also experienced his presence in the midst of the chaos and in uncertain moments of my life. When life seems to be turned upside down, when things seem to be removed, and when my control seems to be failing, there is a confident hope that has surfaced. I know that the same God who met me in the peace is in the midst of this movement. When we pray, he hears those prayers with active ears. So don't resist the movement. Embrace it. He is just moving the pieces around for your good. So what's next? I've been married for more than 12 years. We have three kids and two dogs. Our life is filled to the brim. So I don't get asked as many questions as I used to. When I was finishing high school, the big question was, are you going to college? When I enrolled in university, the next question was, what are you going to major in? As I was graduating with my bachelor's degree, my parents who paid for my university experience wanted to know what was I going to do with my life? When I was single, Grandma Lydia wanted to know if there was some, someone special who had my attention. And when I met my husband, my girlfriends wanted to know when we were going to get engaged. Not too long after he popped the question, like five minutes or so after, my sisters wanted to know how long before the wedding. Once we were married, the baby question happened. We had twins, so the questions took a small pause. But once we sang our girls happy birthday, the question was then, will you try again? We are a culture that is very excited about the next thing. We want to know what is around the corner. If you're anything like me, it's easy to be thinking about tomorrow or maybe even five years from now. I think it's important that we have vision for our lives. And I believe planning and preparing are good things to do. But we can't live there. There's too much in the right here and now that deserves our attention. The gift of tomorrow can rob us of our today. When we choose to fully embrace today and to give our attention to what God is doing right now, I believe we will live less frustrated lives. I believe we'll be freer to enjoy and celebrate the tiny, small victories that often seem ordinary and insignificant. 
the if I could only have this or get this or do this, then I will finally be happy. It's a trap. At first, we're excited, feeling on cloud nine, only to find ourselves no longer satisfied, wanting and wishing for more. We will be approaching a waiting season, enduring a waiting season, or experiencing the completion of that waiting season, only to head into a new time of waiting and expecting all over again. The end of my waiting season wasn't really about accomplishment or destination, status or possession, but an internal work. It's an inner resolve to really know that God is good to me. It is a new perspective to see his work at hand in every season. It is surrendering, trusting his timing, his way. It's a loosened grip of control to my life. It's a declaring that he is good, even when I don't see what I'm believing for happen. It is embracing an eternal perspective, knowing that everything is working together for a purpose far greater. It is praying as though I have no reason to doubt, trusting like I've never been let down, and believing as though I've never been discouraged. It looks like taking the attention off myself and placing my hope and my pursuit in Jesus. Waiting can sound like a passive posture where we aren't doing anything. We picture that college student who's waiting for that perfect job to arrive at his doorstep while playing video games all day. The actual definition of waiting is the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. Did you catch that keyword action? Waiting is active. Waiting is a choice. A choice to remain right where you are, immovable to what might be going on all around you. It's a choice to be unwavering where there is no evidence in sight that God is working on your behalf. I would love to hear how this podcast spoke to you personally. You can do that by grabbing a screenshot of today's podcast and posting it on your Insta story. Tag me at sarahjohnson.co and let me know some of your favorite takeaways. It's a great way for me to know what is speaking to you most and a great way to share with your friends who might need this message too. Another way to help support this message and something that would mean the world to me is if you would subscribe to this podcast, rate it and review it. Thanks, friends. Have a wonderful day and I will see you soon.